right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we had like a solid 11 minute pre-show yeah, here. We did. We we <laughs> discussed the possibility cookies. of having a, a show that's <laughs> no. just the pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> no pre-show, all show. All show. That's, if it's yeah. in the show, it's in the show. Yeah. But that was not we, in the show. No, it was not. It was it was entertaining though. It was. It always is, at least to us. But I guess that that sort of describes the whole show. Anyway, yeah. entertaining well, it, to us. You know, you know what? It didn't include any discomfort, Scott. Oh, look oh, at you! Like look you see what you I did? To, I do, I said up for what, you. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. But here's the problem, there, brother. We haven't even said like <laughs> this is science in between, and this is Scott. Oh. And and this is Ollie. Yeah. Mm. See, so you did. Mm. You set it up a little early there, brother. <laughs> I keep my powder dry. Isn't People that are like, this? wait, what is this? Oh, yeah. He's talking about discomfort. What? What now? Yeah, we're talking about discomfort. Well, it, sorry, sideline. Have you have you ever uh, listened to the Accidental Tech Podcast ATP? I have. Okay. Infrequently. But, yeah, I I listen to it occasionally, but. What it reminded me of is that their um their like intro music and all their title stuff comes like near the end of the episode. And they because it's supposed to be an accidental podcast that they didn't intend to make it. Uh, and so yeah. So yeah. it just reminded me of that. Like Yeah, I there are some shows that like they don't do like uh like the sol- like what is it? One of the po- podcasts, they don't put the actual intro music into like or like the introduction into like maybe like five minutes into the show. It's mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. clearly we don't do that, right? No, I mean, we, we never do no, that. No, no. Ne- it's just no. like right there at the beginning, right, as right as, up front, so you know yeah. what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, right after the commercials, right, right. The extensive <laughs> commercials from all the sponsors, from the sponsors. I mean, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Our our listeners are starting to complain about all the advertisements we have. Yeah, yeah. yes, it's ruining the show. That that's sarcasm, folks. <laughs> <laughs> on display. I think they probably know that if they're listening because they didn't hear any advertisements. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, you know, our listeners are sharp with that kind of stuff. Hey, you know what wasn't in uh, the pre-show? What? Any discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're going to call this <laughs> Bad Transition Monday. That's a... <laughs> awkward uh awkward transitions um so today you're making me uncomfortable ollie um uh. which is which is the point uh point um, of learning it's, yep yep so that's how we learn talk about there you go what we're going to talk about is uh is discomfort and specifically this got brought up for us because of um adam grant's new book called hidden potential which was a joy and of mine a few weeks ago. You it know? was, and uh, and I've been reading it as well. And the one of his first, it's it's about developing characteristic uh, character um, skills, basically. I think that's what he calls them, character. Um, but but it's, it's about it's a, the science of achieving greater things. But that each chapter is broken out into different aspects of like achievement, and uh, you know, like so the one chapter is about discomfort then the one thing is building the capacity to absorb and adapt then mm-hmm. one's about finding the secret spot between flawed and flawless so ex- accepting imperfection so there you know we could go yeah. there's a whole we're section not, we're not going to go through the whole book no no we yeah. i i don't i know i'm not intending to but it talks about like motivation like how to become more motivated and all that so mm-hmm. yeah 
So, but I, it struck me that I was interested in that, particularly in this first chapter, um, because it's something that we talk about in, in a different form or sometimes even in this form, uh, fairly often, which is this idea of, of, you know, the way we, well, the, the premise before I get into how we talk about it and then we can talk about it is, um, is the idea that if you're if you're learning it you should be uncomfortable there should be discomfort right. and that good learning requires that sort of discomfort um to be occurring which means that you're sort of doing you're on the edge of what you're capable of you're doing something that uh you know feels uncomfortable it feels like it's beyond your capacity in some respect and that that is really how we learn and grow and and you know, so the reason, of course, that we're interested in this is because schools aren't really designed to put kids into that kind of discomfort. Right. There's lots of discomfort that schools produce, but it doesn't it's not the kind that we're hoping for that leads to learning. Yeah. And and I think this has been, you know, it's sh it's showed up in our, you know, our conversations a bunch of times. I mean, mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about perplexity when we talked about John Dewey. Yeah. Um, we talked about uh, cognitive dissonance, you know, which, you know, that's, yeah. you know, part of that whole conceptual change thing, even though you and I don't really subscribe to that. It is something that is, I mean, it gets at that idea that like, in order to learn, there's got to be some part where you're uncomfortable with it. I mean, I think it also comes from, you know, when we, like how minds change, right? It showed yeah. up there too. And I think last episode, when we talked about, you know, math standards, we talked about productive struggle, right? And there's yeah. so that struggle is also this, but with, I think, uh, you know, spending a chapter and getting, you know, Adam Grant's take on it, I think is, mm -hmm. is, is interesting because I think that w one of the things for, he talks a lot about uh, people learning new languages. Yeah. Right. It's one of his specific examples. Right. Yeah. He talks about specifically about like people who, you know, are multilingual, like have, you know, have learned uh, a ton of different languages and they do this for, you know, just to grow and to learn. And and I've always struggled with learning new languages. That's something that is 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 difficult for me. Um, but I and and I've been learning French. You know, we talked about this. I think yep. at some point I've been uh, learning French through Duolingo. Mm -hmm. And when I was in France, which we did this at Christmas last year, I uh, was very uh, cautious about speaking. Yeah, I was very tentative. Because, I mean, I tried, but I was really worried about making mistakes. Mm -hmm. And and so reading this chapter one really resonated with me because that's like I'm supposed to run to that. That's like yeah. according to Adam Grant, like whenever you feel uncomfortable like that, like that's the stuff you have to dig into. That's the stuff you have to go to because that's how we learn. So putting yourself yeah. out there and being willing to speak because most of the people I sp spoke with in France were really supportive and really nice. Like the, the whole thing about like them, like French being difficult or being like aloof or anything. That is not my, like we interacted with tons of people and everybody was like super nice. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have been really supported had I tried more, but yeah. I was like really cautious. Yeah. And I think, right. Like you say, that's the, his example of that is, you know, he talks about some of these um, specifically older language learners, right? Because that's one of the things he's getting into is that the two people he uses as examples are folks that didn't start learning second languages until they were, you know, adults. And so, so part of the point of this is that they, 
the way that they develop their language skills is that they specifically aim to be uncomfortable. So one of the, one of the people talks about like, they're trying to make 200 mistakes a day or whatever it is. Like they have a goal for, for goofing up essentially with when they're doing language speaking, when they're learning a new language. And these folks are um, the two he picks as examples are, um, are, Wait, it's is a polyglot? That doesn't sound right. I th- that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So, the, so, but basically, the the idea is that they're trying to learn as many languages as they can. So they go move to a country for three months or six months, and they just basically, as soon as they get there, try to start talking in the language that that they're learning in the country that they're learning it. And you know, so they're they're um, Adam Grant talks about flooding as one of the things that you do when you're trying to um, like eliminate a fear of something and flooding is just overwhelming yourself with the thing that you're fearful of, because it just doesn't allow you to think about it. You just have, you just have to do it. And then you're stuck, you know, as opposed to the, the, the sort of incremental changes where you exposure therapy, basically where you slowly build up a tolerance flooding is the opposite end, which is just, you, you jump in the deep end of the pool. And so there the argument here that at least that these folks are making in language learning is that if you really want to learn languages, you have to be really uh, in that discomfort a lot, especially in the beginning. And that, so you should seek it. You should say like, look, I'm trying to screw up. I'm trying to make mistakes because that's how I'm going to learn. Yeah. I think the thing for me is, okay. So there's lots of, lots of stuff here. That's great. But I think for me, one of the really cool things is how he connected that to learning styles. And he took that as a opportunity to like bring the smack down to learning styles. Cause you know, this, there's this myth around learning styles. And I think a a lot of teachers and people in educate education in general and parents, you know, Oh, my kid's a kinesthetic learner. My kid is a visual learner what whatever and because that's the way quote unquote they learn the best because they figure that if it's if it's easy for them then that must be the way that they learn best and that's yeah. their and he totally goes against that as as a uh, a method of learning because he's like look if it's if it's easy you, you might enjoy it but you might learn less and he actually cites evidence a study yeah, in I which was that say it's it's not just well, and it's also him debunking the research on learning styles, right. which is to say there essentially isn't any right. that supports that learning styles are a thing. But he, but it is. So I think that's that's the first thing to hear is if you think learning styles are a thing, that's just wrong. It's right. not true that there are learning styles and that you are a kind of learner that you learn best auditorially or, re, you know, from reading or from dancing or whatever notion that you've got. Th- those are ways that people learn, but you're not there. There's not one style, quote unquote, that you're that you learn through. You may have strengths and weaknesses in different ways that you learn, but that's just natural development in the same way that you say like, oh, well. English is a style of language that I speak. It's like, well, no, English is what you speak. And if you wanted to speak other languages, you could speak other languages. You got to try and you got to learn. But, um, but I think one of the stats that I thought was, or, or I don't know how, where he gets this number from, but he says 89% of teachers believe in matching their instruction to students' learning styles. That's around wow. the world, but that's, I mean, talk about ubiquitous ideas, like right. 89% of teachers think that, 
they should consider students' learning styles. And what we're here to tell you is, no, you absolutely should not because they are not a yeah. thing. Well, here's here's the uh, – uh, let me read this part. This is from uh, – I don't know. If you have a physical text, it's from page 31. Um, he, he says, uh, a fascinating demonstration comes from an experiment where students were given just 20 minutes to go through a science article. Half were randomly assigned to read it and the other half, half listened to it. Uh, the listeners enjoyed the lesson more than the readers, but when they were quizzed two days later, it was clear that they had learned less. The listeners yeah. scored 59%. The readers scored 81%. Yeah. And so like, oh, I'm an auditory listener. I mean, auditory learner. I like to listen to things. That's yeah. like, you know, uh, there's this when I was doing professional development on campus, there's this big, you know, article I was cited around active learning. Right. Oh, yeah. Like students hate active learning because they wanted to sit in here and sit in the classroom and be passive. Mm -hmm. And so they show all this impact of active learning and the students, you know, would in terms of class satisfaction would always rate the active learning classes as being really like low because I have to do all this work, but they learned more, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's like, OK, so what's the what 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 is the goal? What is our goal? Right. Well, if it's that, that, well go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, if it's to be liked or enjoy, you know, we could just have them sit there passively. And but right. the, we're in the learning business, right? That's well, and it go and that cycles right back to where we were, which is discomfort, right? So right. students are uncomfortable when they have to engage in that way, right? Because there are risks, right? And so this is this is the thing that goes with discomfort that I think is important. So there is a there is a a relationship between discomfort and safety, right? So you want mm -hmm. students to feel uncomfortable, but you also want them to feel safe when they're uncomfortable and, or right. brave. I guess some people talk about brave spaces. I think that's an appropriate because, because it's not really maybe brave is a way to capture that tension, but you don't want them feeling safe. Like they do when they're in a lecture where they're like, well, I don't even have to pay attention. I can be on Facebook. I can be on my phone because I'm just sitting here Buy, like buying tickets on Ticketmaster, you yeah, know, and exactly. Waiting five hours to get my tickets on Ticketmaster, get my um, Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah. So I think there is a tension there between comfort and, and safety that's important in classrooms, but we lean much more towards the safe end of the spectrum in the sense of not pushing students to do their own thinking. Now there's other ways that the classrooms are not safe, but, um, right. but the important thing is like what we really want to try and create in these learning environments is places where students can be uncomfortable, but know that that's part of the process and, and sort of, lean into that because if they do long-term that's going to serve them well, not just in the class that they're in, but in their lives. Yeah. And I, I think the, the other part that I would like to build on that is, you know, it's what kind of discomfort, right. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're getting at this within terms of the like safety or bravery, but I mean, if, if students are coming in and they don't know what the expectations are, or they don't understand the point, or there's no connections to, I mean, if the discomfort comes from con confusion mm. or like, you know, completely aimlessness, because mm. I, I mean, I hear from students who are just like, I don't even know what we're doing in this class, or, you know, I don't know like what the goals of an assignment are, or, mm. I mean, those are different things. Like, right. I think... You know, and that's why I, I really resonate with that productive struggle thing last week, you know, which, which is like, okay, there's, it's a, it's got to be productive discomfort. It's got to be discomfort that leads to learning. 
not discomfort dis- for discomfort's sake sure. or d- discomfort because I'm disorganized or discomfort right. because I haven't planned well as the teacher. Those aren't the right. things we're talking about here. No, or because or, I'm or be- a mean person and I treat right. I was just going to say unfairly. that because yeah. yeah. I ha- I lack empathy and right. I show no grace for my students. You know, right. hey, you know, I never know I, I if I'm going to get called out in class as being a right. dummy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or I accept no late assignments regardless of the reason. It's like, yeah. uh, is that is that really is that yeah. really what you want to do? Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure, that's discomfort, but you know, is yeah, that what you want to do? Right, right. It's that's like discomfort in the sense of punishment, right? As right. opposed to discomfort in. I mean, I think what we're talking about on some level is a sort of intellectual discomfort. Right? Yes, like we, it's it's not a physical or emotional discomfort. It's an intellectual discomfort. We want. We don't want people to feel like, um, you know, like they're they're being hurt. That's not fun. And that's not learning. Like, that's just that just sucks. But but you also don't want people to always think that there's this right, you know, it goes back to the right answer thing so often. Right. That, you know, like, oh, there is a right answer and I either have it or I don't that there's no gray area in there. And discomfort is all about gray. It's about not knowing, right? And, and being okay with not knowing, right? Like, I I don't know how to say that in Spanish, but I'm going to try and say right. it anyway and see what happens and realize, oh, you know, I just said I, I find that bus attractive. Well, that's <laughs> weird, right? Um, that's well, one of the examples <laughs> from the book. and uh, And, you know, it's like, Okay, but now you've learned and, and, you know, people around you probably had a good laugh about it and and fine. Like it's, you know, everybody understands you're learning. And so I think this idea of like intellectual discomfort, um, a sense that, you know, going back to all the way back to uh, to to Feynman, right, that we, we've talked about before that that, you know, good scientists are comfortable with steady doubt. The idea that like I I don't know and it's okay for me not to know because yeah. I shouldn't know because there there isn't an answer here I'm just working on a problem and trying to understand something. I for the listeners out there I want you to know that at, when he when Scott said Feynman he pointed to the poster behind him of Richard Feynman. So right yes. there. he's right yeah. over my shoulder. He is. He's he on is. my so right to... shoulder. Does that make him an angel or a devil? I don't know. I I, I think angel. I Angels think. on your right, devil on your left. Who's that? That I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't either. But yeah. onward. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I really, I, I like this chapter a lot. I think it says a lot to us about, um, you know, as teachers. But I also think it says a lot to us as parents, mm-hmm. right? And you and I are both uh, parents of, of of kids who have navigated school, and you know, you know, you you have a, a child who's in college right now. And I have a, a child is finishing up uh, high school and I, I, they, you know, so many times they've come home. My, my son and daughter have come home and said, you know, Oh, this is just really hard or, you know, and I think the way we react to that as parents is important. You know, we have to let them know that it's okay that things are hard. Yeah. You know, right. Life is hard. It's complicated. Right. Yeah, I I remember when my 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 son, who's a musician, first started out as a, a, a you know playing guitar. He would just like like and he he started when he was like six or mm-hmm. seven, and he'd t- start playing something, and it would just be like I can't get this, and he would like get really teary eyed. Yeah. And I'm just like, look, just work through it, just work through it, just work through it. And then by the end of like a week or two, he would be playing it. 
And yeah. after now he gets it. Now he gets that he's he's got to put the time and energy in and work through the mistakes and work through those issues and and all the discomfort, you know. And I think that, you know, as as somehow as adults that like has like we, we're almost like like we've grown out of that, right? We've grown yeah. out of being you know, uncomfortable with learning or uncomfortable with mistakes or uncomfortable, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, I've been playing in a community band and, mm. uh, there's one summer, the one concert this summer that was really, the music was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. And I, um, you know, I really, that concert, I didn't really tell a whole lot of people that that concert was happening because, <laughs> uh, you know, I was yeah. real. I was like, okay, I'm going to keep this one on the down low, right? Yeah. This is one. I'm a little nervous about uh, people showing oh, up. Oh, it was so hard. And I was just, I just felt like I was barely keeping it together, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was, it, it was almost, and I, there was a couple people in the band who just said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to play this concert, you know? Yeah. Now I stuck it out. Right. Um, but I also didn't tell the people, right? It's right. Like, okay. If I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail in front of straight, total strangers right? Right. rather than my friends, which makes no sense at all. Right? right. I mean, like saying it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but it's that discomfort. Like we are, you know, it's almost like trained out of us. Like, you know, what it, it, it isn't almost like it is. That is exactly what it is. I mean, and, and this goes to, you know, this, this whole premise, it's this foundational premise of our show. Like schools are designed to make kids feel like uncomfort, discomfort is bad, right? That, that basically there are two states. There is the state of knowing, and there is the state of not knowing, and you're either in one or the other. And if you're in the knowing state, you should feel good. And if you're in the not knowing state, you should feel bad. And if you're in between, then there is no such thing. So there's right answers and there's wrong answers and and there is no sense of discomfort really it's just sort of right and wrong and um and then we wonder you know why people are like that well they're like that because we teach them to be like that we spend yeah. we spend a huge amount of time convincing them that discomfort is um is bad and that what you really want is the comfort of being right um and that's what should make you feel good is being right all the time and then we and then we look at our you know our public discourse and say well why are people talking like this it's because everybody is now convinced that they are right about their opinion or their beliefs and therefore they're willing to tell other people that they're wrong and so there's no sense of discomfort where we could talk about an issue that because almost every issue you pick is complicated and messy and requires discomfort to even have a conversation about. It. And right now, we're not very good at that. What we're good at yeah. is telling other people that they're bad and we're good. Well, I think that one of the things I've noticed this semester, and, and maybe it's because I've been you know working so closely with our, our, our teaching interns, um, is that uh, some of them really bristle at feedback. Like, mm-hmm. like when you give them like feedback for growth, like, Hey, here are some areas to work on. It's they, it, it, it's uncomfortable for, for yeah. them yeah. to get such direct feedback and, and teaching is such a personal thing anyway. Right. Yeah. And, and that it's like, okay, here's some things you need to work on that. There are some folks who just are, are really uncomfortable with navigating feedback like that. Cause yeah. I think that what they're, folks are used to hearing is, Hey, great job. 
That's awesome. But when it's like, hey, here's some tailored feedback on something that you need to work on. Um, that's uncomfortable for folks, but it's good, you know, and it's also probably why, why we have a lot of teachers who are like, you know, I'm not going to do that because that's going to be, it's risky. It's going to be uncomfortable. That's why it's like so much easier just to lecture from a PowerPoint slide, right? Because you know, the next slide and you know, the students are just going to sit there passively, write the stuff down yeah. and it's going to be right answers. They're not going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to be uncomfortable. Everyone's winning. No one's uncomfortable with anything, yeah. but it's like, it's like those, you know, meringues, you know, like the, uh, yeah. the meringue cookies. You just yeah. eat, you can eat like 30 of them. And it's like, did I eat something? You know, it's yeah. just like, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, it's all air and egg whites. Right. Air and egg whites. There you yes. go. You heard it here first. <laughs> There's the name of the episode right there. Air and egg whites. Uh, uh, I just dismissed a whole genre of, of cooking. <laughs> cooking. Yeah. Mostly French cooking, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There um, it is. And, it is. and I like yeah. French cooking. Don't get uh-huh. me wrong. Just not but meringues. Not, not meringue. Not the meringue cookies. Sorry. You know, it's like. What's, sorry, Come on, what's sorry not sorry. Sorry, yeah. not sorry, meringue cookies. No. No. <laughs> Taught you a lesson yeah. about being uncomfortable. Out of all of the things you can eat that is delicious, why would you choose a meringue? Uh, well, I, dude, I'm not following you down this road. Uh, you, you, you can be a meringue hater, and I'm just going to stand on the sidelines and watch it happen. Because all so those you're... meringue lovers are coming for you, and you know they, they are. are because they're going to say you're wrong <laughs> and what you miss. Uh, well, they could try. They could try to convince me, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I do like a le- lemon meringue pie. That's oh, a different. That's oh, different. see now he's now you're coming back a little. You're trying to bring him back cool. into the fold. Yeah, I see. no, I'm talking the meringue cookies. You know those things I'm talking about. <laughs> They're good know? people on both sides. Is what you're saying? <laughs> the meringue debate. No, I'm not like arguing against meringue in general. Like oh, meringue, it's just, I see. Just meringue cookies. You're trying to re this. Yes. You're, you're very much an academic, sir. Well done. Yes. <laughs> What's it? No, the no. narcissism of, of Nar- small narcissism details? of small differences between yeah. meringue cookies and lemon meringue pie. Th- those are very different. Okay. I mean, they have the, they okay. both have egg whites and sugar. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back wow. On. That was a rabbit hole right there. Yeah. Yeah. You're but, trying to get back on target with. But what I was trying to say is that, like, there's it doesn't lead to long term learning, right? And yeah, the only way sure. to get to long term learning is for there to be some discomfort, you mm-hmm. know, because like it has to have some substance. It has to put people. And if if you're uncomfortable with the word discomfort, then you choose something else: dissonance or perplexity. With the word discomfort. <laughs> Like yeah, if that's like something that you if you're uncomfortable at, with discomfort, then you should. <laughs> then you should maybe probably understand what discomfort means because apparently then you don't. Maybe you're learning. Maybe, maybe. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, I but, think. Go ahead. Well, I was like, even when uh, I I took the road down to parents because I just remember when I would have, you know, parents when I was teaching who would you know. They would say, oh, you know, my, my students, my kids really struggling in your class or, you know, and, and, and it wasn't that they couldn't do the work. 
it's it's because I was asking them to do something that was different than what they were used to, you mm-hmm. know, because it was like, hey, and they would always go, well, my kid did really well in whatever X class. And I, I was like, okay, well, what that what was that class like? Well, there was a lot of notes and he was really good at memorizing his notes. And I'm just like, okay, that kind of learning is not going to translate really well to this class. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. Yeah. Well, and this, you know, and, and again, it's this question of discomfort, right? Like that kid was comfortable with a particular kind of learning because they they were they were successful at it because they could minimize and essentially they could minimize their discomfort by knowing what the rules are and just following the rules. And uh, when the rules change, then they're like, wait a minute, that's not okay. Like, I got to I got to be right. But the but the but they see the problem not as them. They see the problem 100%. as us, us, yeah. us for creating the discomfort because we don't want anybody to be discomfort, like experience yep. any discomfort, any uh, you know, yeah. And that's just wrong. It is you wrong. Know? It yeah. is wrong. But it's but it is hard to convince people that, uh, especially kids or kids' parents, right? Because they're like, well. You know, I don't want my kid uncomfortable. I want my kid successful. I want my kid to get all A's. And here you are standing in the way with all your just talk of discomfort. And I don't want any of that. Like, I need my kid to know exactly, you know, again, there's so many analogs to the way that we think about teaching. Like, you got to have your objective on the board. Everything has to be clear. And this, it, it comes down to this issue of like, thinking about equality versus equity. We've talked about this a lot before too, but Mm -hmm. like, okay, if we treat everybody the same, we put an objective on the board, we make everybody take the same notes and answer the same questions. And then we're being fair. It's like, well, you're not actually, you're being equal um, to everybody, but to be like, what makes me uncomfortable in a science classroom is different than what makes you or a middle school kid uncomfortable in a classroom. And so each individual needs to be pushed in their own way. Like you need to figure out productive ways to, to support all of your kids being uncomfortable in their own way. And, and so that's why, you know, we talk about how the kinds of classrooms that we advocate for ambitious sorts of classrooms, um, differentiation is a very different thing. Like in traditional classrooms, differentiation means like, okay, I'm going to give the kid with the special uh, with the IEP who's got identified as special needs, I'm going to give them the outline where they just have to fill in the blanks while they're taking notes. And then the kid next to them has to take their own notes. And then the kid next to them that's got a GIEP has to not only take notes about the class, but has to read an extra article and take notes about that. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, I guess that does something, but, but what we're talking about is like, if you've got a group of those kids talking to each other, they're automatically differentiating because they're contributing in different ways to the ideas there. Um, and, and you can come and press them differently. I can ask, you know, student a one kind of question, student B another kind of question. And, and that's not something that's obvious necessarily to the students, but it still allows you to provide support and push kids, uh, in a more individual way. I I think that the discomfort that people worry about is the stuff that's going to create anxiety and anxiety leads sure. to mental health, the mental health issues, you know, and it's just like this yeah. downward spiral, right? Like, and I think this is why going back to your, your safety concept or your bravery or, you know, yeah. a supportive space. Like, so they have to, students have to know that we're on their side and we're not yeah. just making things 
hard for you know for funsies to make them hard yeah we're we, yeah we're doing it because that's that's the way we learn right yeah. and i you know like yeah 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 and I, I, and, and it gets I at feel, this idea even of when you're talking about hard of of rigor like what does it mean to be a rigorous classroom right yeah yeah and we're talking about rigor in a much different way rigor is is a place where you are uncomfortable because the ideas are hard and you're thinking about them in hard ways and not coming to clear conclusions right away. Well, that's very rigorous. If you're just memorizing a lot of hard content, I don't know if that's really rigorous. It's difficult, but it's not rigorous. Yeah. Rigor for rigor's sake is, you know, yeah. Rigor mortis. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. All right. Anything else with this comfort? No. I mean, probably yes, but we're good for today. We're good for today. Yeah. So out out of discomfort, we should, you know, transition to joy, to joy, move to joy. You got something or sure. I got something. I'll start this time. Um, I just finished a book. Um, I don't think I've recommended this. My brain is bad, man. I need to like check (laughs) our, check our list before I come. My brain is bad (laughs) at this stuff. Um, but, uh, did I talk about Cormac McCarthy's new book? Um, what's the name of the book? So your brain is bad too. The Passenger? No. Okay, good. So I just finished Cormac McCarthy's book. He just passed away um, uh, in 2023. I forget earlier this year. Um, but this book came out obviously posthumously. Um, but he's, many of you will probably know his books, The Road, um, All the Pretty Horses. He's he's written a lot of like wonderful novels, mostly about the West, but not always. Um, and The Passenger was, I mean, it's an odd book. I'll say that for it. Um, it, it, it is, um, it is almost like a contemplation book rather than a plot driven book. Um, and it reminds me, it reminded me a lot of Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, which is one of my favorite books, um, that I, one of those books that I reread every couple of years. Um, but it's really sort of a meditation on grief and, um, I don't know what else would it be? I mean, grief and, and aging and, um, it's, it's yeah it's an odd book the beginning of it it starts with this like hallucinatory sort of passage and so you're sort of like what have i gotten myself into because the the summary sounds like it's about this salvage diver who lives in new orleans which it is but um it's yeah it's it's really um an interesting book it is definitely not for everybody but um but i really enjoyed it and um, it's one of those books I feel like I'm going to have to reread and let it sink in for a while and then go back to it and reread it again to try and, and get more of, of what I didn't get the first time through. But, um, but he's a, I mean, he's a beautiful writer. His, his prose is just amazing. So, uh, even that is just a pleasure, but, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and it's not a long book and it's a, but it's a really, um, it's a really simple on some level book, but very deep. Um, so I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I, this year I've just been like reading like crazy. And so, yeah. so many, so many books to put on my list, you know, that's awesome. Uh, for me, but that's not your joy uh, this week. Not my joy. I uh, started the uh, grapevine podcast. Oh, do not know this one. Yeah. I, for some reason it's, 
it's kind of like been under people's radar a little bit, but I think that um, I've been recommending it. It's from the South Lake people. You remember the South Lake podcast from a year or so ago? Oh, which yeah. South Lake was the, yeah. the school district in, in Texas that uh, was uh, had a lot of um, political upheaval related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. if you re- recall. Yeah. And so there was a whole series. And it was that's out of NBC. I think NBC is the... Uh, the folks who created it created that podcast. So one school district over is Grapevine, the Grapevine school district. So oh, they're like neighbors. So they're doing, I see. And so while uh, South Lake was uh, had issues around DEI stuff, um, Grapevine was dealing with you know teaching and books and you know kids that you know and and kids right and kids. and. Yeah. And all the all the things around LGBTQ stuff that's happening in schools and, you know, how mm-hmm. supportive we are and how we should legislate against that or, you know, and, you know, how some. Yeah. So it is a um, it is one of those podcasts that if you work in education that you you've lived at some point because like there's always something, some sort of controversy that comes up um, in which. A, a teacher's doing something on behalf of students and then it just goes awry. Goes right? awry. And, yep. And 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 people and so it's it I'm about midway through, about like, you know, four episodes through. And so it's, a lot of it's features an English teacher who um is working uh who had just a library in her classroom. And um one of the kids who was a, a, a transgender student had taken home a book that somebody else had borrowed from this teacher's library and that got passed around from student to student. And then mm. it ended up in this, this one student's hands and the parent found it. And then it just became this, um, giant thing. this, this thing. Right. Yeah. And it just became about, you know, what kinds of teaching is okay. Teaching, what kind of books are okay, you know, mm. and like what kind of, rights to parents have to talk about the things that happen in the school, what rights to students have. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's, I mean, I think it's always been there, but like probably more so, you know, in the last, I mean, I just remember when we were, you know, first started teaching, it was all really around the, you know, things like, you know, evolution, right. It was like teaching evolution and now it's much different. It's, it's still, but it still has its hearts and, you know, some of the same place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentally. Right. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, those are, those are issues that schools are really grappling with. I mean, we all are, it's not just schools, right. it's just schools of the microcosm and, and they get, they're a place where that, that battle can be um, focused and intensified, right? Cause it's about kids and it's about um, our kids in public schools. So yeah. Yeah. And it's all in, and, and there's a lot of, like really pithy ways of framing it like hey let's protect the kids but like what that means protecting yeah. kids is depending on where you stand in that political landscape is like cuz i mean you know i can make a really good argument that a kid reading a book is would be protecting them right like mm-hmm. if they could see themselves represented in a book or seeing that you know their who they are is reflected in a character in a book that could be I, – I can make a really strong argument for protecting – that's a, a protection, yeah. Yeah. right? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, not to go down that rabbit hole, but – No, you know. but I – yeah. I mean this is – this is um, you know, we're at that 
that's what that's what's happening in our public discourse right now is is we're in this um i we're in a phase where we're discussing whether being exposed to ideas is dangerous or yeah. not um which you know yeah boy that yeah 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 well wow there's a, there's some happy happiness right there there's happy. some discomfort well, okay. You got me there. Yeah. yeah. Discomfort. I don't know if it's intellectual discomfort or not, but it's yeah. definitely discomfort. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. Well, yeah. uh, hopefully you're uh, uncomfortable between now and the next time we talk with you in the, in yeah. the best way. Seek it. Go out there and seek some discomfort. Seek, some, seek some discomfort. All right. And we'll catch you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.